Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At Mana Food for Thought is our Instagram handle. At Mana F4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's Coffee with a Mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, they ship nationwide. Their beans are locally roasted in small batches. They make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA, M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. Have you ever heard anyone say, don't try this at home? Well, they say that to warn you from danger and dangerous things like fire is very dangerous. Don't try that at home. And we know that. We've seen devastating wildfires in California and all around the world this year. It can wreak havoc. But fire, as I learned in Boy Scouts, is also necessary for survival. If you're ever in a survival situation, one of the first things, if not the first thing, you need to uh, do is build a fire. Because you need food, but in order to, f to cook your food and make sure it's not going to hurt you, you need fire. You need water, but in order to purify it and make sure it's good and not going to hurt you, you need fire. And you need shelter to keep you warm and safe from the elements. But if your shelter's in a cold area, you're, it's not going to keep you that warm without a fire. And so fire is necessary. We also know that fire can refine and purify things. If you've ever watched videos of people melting things down to make something new, especially metal, precious metals, when they're melted, all of the impurities rise to the surface. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is like this. The Holy Spirit is dangerous. Um, but it refines us as disciples. It allows our sins and our vices to be rooted out, to rise to the surface so that they can be forgiven and removed. That's why the Holy Spirit, I think, is, ca is characterized by fire. It is powerful. It's a life-altering force. Remember, the word used for power in Scripture when it comes to the Holy Spirit is dynamos, which, where we get the word dynamite, serious power. We also need the Holy Spirit to survive spiritually. It animates our very being. And fire, just like the Holy Spirit, refines and purifies us. The Holy Spirit does that by the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit at work in our lives. And so if you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to go back and watch episode 11 about the Holy Spirit. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about confirmation, the sacrament of confirmation, which is one of the sacraments of initiation, and it is sometimes called the sacrament of the Holy Spirit. 
It is when we receive the Holy Spirit in a special way. Now remember, we receive the Holy Spirit at our baptism, but we receive it in a deeper way when we're confirmed. The power of God at our confirmation is unleashed in our lives in a very powerful and life-changing way. This is exactly what happened to the apostles when they were first given the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we hear the story of Pentecost. It says, When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they, the apostles, were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his own native language? Look at that power that the Holy Spirit has to come with this strong driving force and animate the apostles in such a way that they could do things that they were never able to do before. In fact, Peter goes out and gives a speech right after Pentecost, and it says in verse 41, those that who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added that day. Think about that. Peter was an uneducated fisherman. He denied Jesus three times, and yet he was so empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit that he was able to speak passionately, so passionately, that the hearts of 3,000 people at once were moved to the point that they wanted to make a complete change in their life to follow Jesus Christ. This power was given uh, to the apostles and then only those they chose to give it to by the laying on of hands. Now remember, we're talking about a sacrament, so the definition of a sacrament is that three-part definition. It is a visible sign, it is instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church, and it is meant to give us grace. And so one of the visible signs of the sacrament of confirmation is the laying on of hands. And we see that at our confirmation. There's also the incorporation of oil, which we'll talk about. But this laying on of hands goes all the way back to Scripture. We look in Acts chapter 8, a little later on, as the church is starting to grow, and it says, uh, verse 14, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, two apostles who went down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. For it had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. For a long time, people were confirmed when they were baptized or very shortly after, even as infants. Uh, but because confirmation, as we see from the very foundations of it in Scripture, has to be done by an apostle, or one in line of an apostle, so a bishop, um, when Christianity grew, bishops became less available because their flock became much bigger. And so the people they were responsible for then needed, had less frequent of an opportunity to see the bishop. So confirmation became separated from baptism. So the people could be baptized more easily, so they could achieve that salvation through their baptism to be forgiven. And then they would prepare for their confirmation in order to receive the fullness of the Spirit. And that is what we do today. And so we see in Scripture, not only do we see those visible signs present that we carry on today, but we also see the second part of this sacramental definition, that it was instituted by Christ himself. When Jesus Christ dies and rises, he tells the apostles in Acts chapter 1, 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he tells them, stay in Jerusalem for now. Wait till you receive this power. And in fact, he makes this promise even before he dies, when he's at the Last Supper in the Gospel of John. He says to the apostles, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Now, Jesus promises this Spirit as the presence of God that will dwell with them once he leaves, and that it will remind them of his teachings. So, when Jesus commands his apostles to share those teachings with others in Matthew 28, when he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. So we can assume here, if Jesus is saying, I'm always going to be with you, and he's promised the Spirit after he leaves, then the Spirit is meant to be not only with them, but with everyone, because they're called to go teach everyone. And what's the Holy Spirit's job? To remind people of the teachings of Jesus. And so it's implied then that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to the apostles first, but that everyone they share the message of Jesus with would need it, and they would then be laying on hands for all of them. And so we see Jesus instituting this in a very intentional way by his promise of the Spirit and the commissioning of the apostles. And lastly, the, whole, the sacrament of confirmation gives us grace. It gives us the very life of the Holy Spirit within us. I mean, what's more graced than that? It's God actually dwelling in and through us. So grace is like, it's, it's like the life of God dwelling in us, but it's also a gift. And so if you think about it this way, when you're baptized, it's like receiving a gift, a wrapped present. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You own it. It is yours now. But when you're confirmed, you can open it, you can take it out of the package, you can play with it, you can use it. You, before, you might have just been able to appreciate it or say, yes, I have this, and yes, I know that this is part of my life now, but now you have full reign and use of it. Or you could think of it as uh, you download something on your computer and it's the free trial version, right? And so you can do minimal things. That's kind of like the relationship we have to the Holy Spirit when we're baptized. But when we're confirmed, we get that access code and we can use the entire program, you know, unlimited, you can use all the features. That is kind of what it's like at our confirmation and what makes it different. So what happens at a confirmation? Well, first you have the minister of confirmation, and that is usually someone, uh, it's usually a bishop or someone that the bishop has given the authority to confirm. It always has to come from the bishop because he is a direct descendant of one of the 12 apostles. Then you have the recipient of confirmation. Anyone who is over the age of reason, which is about seven years old, about the age when you can definitively discern between what is right and wrong according to church law, um, anyone above that age can be confirmed unless they're confirmed when they're baptized as infants. But if it's separated, then they're making the secondary choice on their own. So they then need to be of the age to make that choice. They also need to be in a state of grace, so they can't have any serious sin on their soul. Um, and they need to be prepared by prayer and instruction to be committed to the responsibilities of the sacrament, especially if the sacrament is being separated from baptism. The essential rite of confirmation involves the bishop laying on his hands, remember, and he invokes a prayer, prayer invoking the gifts of the Holy Spirit from Isaiah chapter 11 that we've talked about in a previous episode, those gifts of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, piety and fear of the Lord. 
And usually, because confirmation is often practiced um, separated from baptism, unless you're entering the church as an adult, um, there's a renewal of baptismal promises. So if you watched the last episode, we actually did that at the end of the episode, where you say, I do, uh, I express belief in these different petitions and beliefs of the church. And then the bishop will come and anoint your forehead with oil, uh, the, the top or the face of your forehead, and say, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he'll call you by the name of the saint you have chosen to be confirmed under. And you will say, amen. And then he'll say, peace be with you. And you say, and with your spirit. And that is the essential rite of confirmation. Again, that oil is on the front of your forehead because now you're meant to be visible to the entire world. Whereas when you're baptized, it's on the top of your head to show that your relationship is now to your Father, God in heaven, who looks down and sees you as his anointed child. And so that anointing with sacred chrism happens, and that chrism oil uh, is uh, blessed every year by the bishop of that diocese. And then every parish gets to take some of that oil for their sacraments. There's also an oil of the catechumenate, which is used for other sacraments, and there's also uh, the oil of healing, which is used for anointing of the sick. But that chrism oil is very special. It comes from the same word that Christos, Christ, comes from. It means the anointed one. So we're meant to be little Christs, little anointed ones. That's what Christian means, to be a little Christ. And so we use oil because oil in everyday life is a multifaceted thing. It's used to heal, to cleanse, to make things. And so we're meant to be instruments of healing, of unity, of bringing purity to the world, of creating new things for the benefit of others, using our gifts and talents, all in the name of Jesus. That's what's asked of us by our confirmation. So what happens to you when you get confirmed? We see this in the Catechism, paragraphs 1302 to 1303. It is evident from its celebration that the effect of the sacrament of confirmation is the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit as once granted to the apostles on the day of Pentecost. So pay attention to that. You are receiving the same spirit that the first apostles received. There's nothing different about it. You are given that same power and ability that can be unleashed in your life. Catechism continues and says, From this fact, confirmation brings an increase and deepening of baptismal grace. It roots us more deeply in the divine filiation. The filiation means sonship or childship, which makes us cry, Abba, Father. So you become an adopted child of God. Um, it roots us more deeply in that. Uh, it unites us more firmly to Christ. Increases the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. Renders our bond with the church more perfect. And then here's the one unique thing. All those other things happen at your baptism and confirmation strengthens. But here's the unique thing that happens when you're confirmed. It gives you a special strength of the Holy Spirit to spread and defend the faith by word and action as true witnesses of Christ, to confess the name of Christ boldly and never to be ashamed of the cross. So when you're confirmed, just like at baptism, you receive an indelible mark on your soul. It changes your character. It changes who you are. You are a child of God in your baptism, but now you are a soldier for Christ in confirmation. Your job is to promote and defend the Catholic faith using the unique gifts and talents God has given you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's whatever your vocation or mission in life may be. This is meant to happen in every part of your life, that you're meant to witness Christ in your family, your friends, your marriage, your school life, the world, your community. You become a witness. You know, a lot of times when people receive confirmation at the ordinary time, which is between 7 and 17, they kind of treat it like a box to be checked off or a rite of passage that they're kind of graduating from. 
rather than a preparation and initiation into a new way of life, a spirit-filled life. That's what it's supposed to be. You don't prepare to get confirmed to do less uh, or by doing less, and you're not meant to do less after you get confirmed. If you think that, then you've kind of already lost the meaning and have showed a, a real lack of understanding of the sacrament. Think about it this way. If you want to have a good marriage and you're going to say renew your vows, which might be the equivalent of your confirmation, you're not going to spend less time together. You're not going to communicate less or have less meaningful interaction as a result. No, you're going to want to do more. Confirmation is about more. And God is calling you to more. And isn't that what each one of us is looking for? More out of life, more meaning, purpose, and connection, more love, belonging, truth, goodness, and beauty. When you wake up, when you look in the mirror, when you think about your future, you have hopes and dreams and goals and aspirations. God wants those things for you. He wants all the good things for you. And he gave you the gifts to do them, to achieve them, but not just to benefit yourself, to benefit the church and the entire world. Confirmation is what allows us to do those things well and as beautifully and boldly as possible to make a difference, to glorify God and to share his love with others by living and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead for our salvation. So are you ready to find what you've been looking for? Or would you rather keep searching your whole life only to realize you couldn't find it anywhere else? The Holy Spirit has already worked in your life. You wouldn't be watching this episode and have stayed through these if not. He's working in you now, and He will work in incredible, supernatural, and miraculous ways if you let Him. So let Him in each and every day by praying bold, dangerous, and open prayer, Come Holy Spirit. Now that is something you should try at home.